Kia ora, I'm Philippa Tolley. You're listening to RNZ's Insight Programme on the Auckland elections. Local body elections are upon us again, with the close of voting just seven weeks away. In the country's biggest city, Auckland stands at a crossroads. The election is about much more than who will fill the vacant mayoralty. It's also about who will vote and what they're voting for. It's a blustery evening in South Auckland. About 150 people have turned out in Wattle Downs to hear four contenders for the Auckland mayoralty. It's not their first encounter and it won't be their last in the race to secure the biggest directly elected job in the country. Well, ladies and gentlemen, uh, thank you very much for your attendance. We've got a good attendance here tonight. My name is Daniel Newman and I am very proud to serve as the chair of our local Wattle Downs Residents and Ratepayers Association. Tonight, the association this is a contest not just about who sits in the mayoral chair, but about where Auckland heads next. I'm Todd Nile, and in this insight, I'll be looking at the contest to elect the third Auckland Council, the main issues, and whether this time round it'll be possible to reverse the previous dismal turnout. It is important that I have a majority of councillors with me who agree with that approach. I know how to live within a budget. I've done 15 budget rounds. You know, I've been a businessman my whole life, and we've talked about big savings here and all. You know, the amalgamation... This is the first time since the inaugural election of the amalgamated Auckland Council in 2010 that there's a contest for a vacant mayoralty. We have imagined too long and waited too long. We will fix Auckland's transport system... We will build an inner city loop. Lynn Brown is stepping down, having delivered that promise at the 2010 inauguration. The city rail link, the country's biggest public transport project, has begun construction, a 3.4-kilometre rail tunnel under the downtown area, costing $2.5 billion. It'll create a loop that will transform both the city's rail network and the downtown area itself, possible only after the council persuaded an initially reluctant government to share the cost. With that underway and with the completion of the council's biggest task, drawing up a new planning and development blueprint called the Unitary Plan, setting the course for a united Auckland is done. So what will this election be about? Simon Wilson, the editor-at-large of Metro magazine, is a long-time council watcher. It is an extraordinarily important election, largely because the Unitary Plan will be in place and the council clearly has a number of critical situations it has to deal with, housing most obviously, also transport, also working out how its budget is going to work in a way that is productive for the city and not just about uh, cuts, cuts, cuts. And for all those reasons, this is now going to be the term of the council where they really have the opportunity to show their colours, to show us how good the city could be in its planning. Uh, so it is, a, it is a really big moment. If the Auckland Council fails after these next three years, we really are going to be in trouble. David Shand was one of three royal commissioners who recommended the amalgamation of Auckland's eight local bodies and continues to write on council affairs. He says there's now a new phase with the plans in place and the city rail link happening. I think this is really about implementation phase. Um, 
Uh, and we've got the issue of the housing crisis and, uh, and the role of the and clearly the council has some sort of a role, a major role, in this as well. And there's the future of public transport generally. Can we can we ramp it up to get it working much better than it is at the moment? So I think there are some very big issues there for the future, and these are implementation issues. I think the council's had a settling down period. There is still some angst out there about the council. Uh, not everybody is satisfied. We know that from opinion polls. It'll be interesting to see how that translates into how many people vote and uh, who they vote for. How many people vote in Auckland Council elections could be a problem. Morning, sir. John Banks. Nice to meet you. Yes. Everything going okay here? Very nice. Thank You've been you. Been pretty busy. I've been busy. I've been lucky. Yeah. Recession, but I'm doing all right. Yeah, yeah. The first Auckland Council election in 2010, in which the polarising figures of John Banks and Len Brown conducted a high-profile battle, boosted voter turnout to 51%. Three years later, with a low-key contest between Mr Brown and John Polino, Auckland's turnout slumped to the second lowest in the country at just 35%. You can look at the barriers in two main categories. You've got socio-economic barriers and then you've got structural barriers. Marguerite Del Bay is the manager of democracy services at Auckland Council, which has been looking at the low turnout. What we know from research is that in Auckland, older New Zealand Europeans owning their own home and having lived in Auckland for more than 10 years are much more likely to vote than younger people especially Asian, young Asian people, um, Indian and Chinese, and who do not own their own home. Just on the basic equation, Auckland has a lot of people in the non-voter categories. Nearly 40% of the population don't own the home they live in, so don't pay rates directly. More than 40% are non-Pakiha or European, compared with 25% nationally. And in recent years, there's been a surge of new arrivals through immigration. The problem is that most Aucklanders just don't seem to feel the election matters to them. In the last election in 2013, we know that the awareness of the, um, of the elections was between 85 and 89 percent, depending on the age group. So um, even the 18 to 24-year-old, 85 percent of them were aware that the elections were were taking place. Only 60% intended to vote, and in the end, only 29% ended up, ended up voting. And we know that that 29% is overrated, because this is done on the basis of a survey. And when we ask people, did you vote, we know that more people told us they had voted than actually did. Here at the Mangari Town Centre in South Auckland, drowned out by a Christian pop band, the council's launching its million-dollar bid to boost voter turnout, setting a goal of 40%. It's the first of 80 stops on the Show Your Love Tour, with council staff getting passers-by to write post-it notes on what they think about Auckland and then push the voting message. Only 29% in this area voted last time. Honey, Miliana and Hope stopped to see what it was about. This is an area where the turnout's really poor, particularly among young people. Does that, does that surprise you? Uh, to be honest, no, it doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> no, it Not doesn't surprise all. me no. at I all. I think a lot of people are very like aware of it. They're not very... I don't know, I don't think they go over it yeah. too much at and I feel, home. Yeah, and I feel yeah. like they kind of view like voting as boring and like 
especially the young people, they're like, oh, why should I vote? Like, is it really important? They don't really see it as like an important yeah. part yeah. of like. I don't think they realize that it always like affects them oh, as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, like everyone. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah I don't think they feel it's comfortable either, because like even when you're at home and stuff, like your parents, yeah. they, they don't, don't really it discuss it. With Have you, you got any ideas how young people? How would you make young people more interested? What would what would make them take notice? Uh, for me personally, I think you just got to find like an interesting way to get them to vote. Like, kind of, oh, yeah. I reckon the different types of um, social media platforms are really important as well because heaps of um, uh, young young people are you know constantly on social media, and I think that's a great way to approach it through that through um, Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Snapchat Twitter, and like. Using our culture, cause like, oh, as young Pacific yeah. Island women, we're real like, we appreciate it when people uh, like wanna get us involved really with our part of like our culture as well. Yeah, so like, having that, like, yeah, that caught our eye and stuff. So we were like, oh, and that's really, really cool. and it made us like stop and it like stop, look yeah. and like listen to them, cause like it was interesting. It relates to us. That's what our families are based around. We gather around music, around food, and yeah. Good afternoon. Thanks for coming along today. We are really a very loose uh, but broad coalition. The launch of a campaign pushing the need for higher density housing under the now notified unitary plan was partly the work of another group trying to draw more people into Auckland politics. The youth-focused Generation Zero has become an established voice in big debates on the city's future, such as housing, transport and climate change. Its communication director, Leroy Beckett, hopes they can make a difference to voter turnout. The um, system of local government excludes young people and poor people so much that we're trying our best to change that. I think democracy services are trying really hard to change that. I think we all are trying to make things in a more representative system, really. This election particularly, or in the last couple of years, there seem to have been big issues that have arisen that are kind of generational ones, the unitary plan the future of housing, public transport. I mean, why would that not, on its own, capture the interest more of younger people? I think young people really do care about those issues. They care a lot about public transport, they care a lot about housing, they care a lot about the environment. But there's not really a connection between those issues and the candidates that are standing. People don't know that if you vote for X candidate, you're voting for better public transport. So that's what we try and do. We try and connect the issues people find important with the candidates who will stand up for those issues. Do you get any kind of sense that there's some kind of shift this time? Uh, not particularly, I'm not. I think there have been some huge issues in Auckland that hopefully, especially the housing issue, will bring more young people into change, but we really need to communicate that voting is a way to change those things. Like local body elections around the country, Auckland also faces challenges in the way the election must be run. Voting is postal. Ballot papers can lie around a home for three weeks, and those three weeks include school holidays. The governments remain unmoved on those issues, deferring any trials of online voting and retaining the three-week voting period. But nothing lifts voter turnout like a gripping political contest. Thank you very much. Six billion. I beg your pardon. John, six billion from the Britain out to the airport. The, the rail to the airport to the extend from Onihanga is a billion dollars. Joking. So, and so, I don't know where John got the $6 billion. The inaugural mayoral battle in 2010 between Len Brown and John Banks pitted left against right, a promise of transformation against affordable progress. At 51%, the turnout was the country's second highest. 
this time the signs are less clear on which political battles might engage voters. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Very, very warm welcome to everybody. There's a fantastic feeling in this room. Do you know, last week, last Saturday, we had a little bit of a team... A team meeting, a bit of a team in a sailing club rooms on the harbour front, former rugby league coach Graham Lowe has a new calling. He's the team coach and council candidate for Auckland Future, a new region-wide brand encouraged into being by national party MPs wanting a stronger centre-right grip on the council. What is not working is the fact that we have not attracted a calibre of people to run this city. And this is what Auckland Future is about. This is the Auckland Central MP, Nikki Kay, here at an earlier Auckland Future event, has been the main promoter of a new centre-right grouping. In my view, um, there has been a need to have a bit of an evolution at a political level in local government in Auckland. We've seen the structure evolve and it now obviously covers some of the wards are huge and obviously there are some issues of national significance and in my view I think this is just about really um, evening things up in terms of what the left are doing to ensure that there are better supported candidates that might be fiscally responsible in Auckland. Is that going to be awkward for the government? I mean there needs to be a positive working relationship between the council and the government and that goes on while at the same time you you know, yourself and other National Party MPs are saying, but actually we, we'd like to see other people running the city than the ones who are running it now. But that already happens. I mean, the reality is at every local body election, and maybe, you know, I mean, if you look, City Vision have been around for quite a period of time. They, in fact, um, you know, there are various council candidates that have backed my opposition in my seat. That happens all over the show. So that nothing is changing in the sense that there will be certain central and local government politicians that's that choose to endorse various people. Honourable Nikki Kay, Honourable Maggie Barry, Honourable Paul Goldsmith, and our Members of Parliament, there's so many of you here, I'd hate to miss one out, that would give me a lot of grief down the line. So Sue Wood was the President of the National Party in the early 80s and is coordinating the Auckland Future Campaign. In her view, there's a clear problem with centre-right councillors presently on the Auckland Council. Lack of leadership. So they're not, they're not a group or...? No. There's a degree of mistrust. It's simply, it's a big job. It's a tough job. And you've got to work collegially. You've got to have strong leadership. There's been an absolute absence of leadership. And that's what we are aiming to rectify. So what is the, the end goal of the Auckland Future Campaign? When you look at the results of the election, what are you wanting to see? A centre-right majority who've signed up to a fiscal pledge, who agree to work together collaboratively and collegially, and to caucus on key fiscal issues. It is going to be quite a test to that popularly held view that, that while people vote for parties in, in central government, that in local body they somehow don't like that concept, they like to think they're picking someone from their community. Oh, I think that that's um, a bit rich given the fact that City Vision has been alive and well in Auckland and of course is closely aligned with Labour and some candidates run on the Labour ticket in Auckland, so that's nothing new.
Across town in suburban Balmoral, the Labour and Green Party's local body coalition City Vision is launching its eighth campaign in central Auckland. Its coordinator, Robert Gallagher, says the centre-left model across Auckland is more local. We've got City Vision in this area um, contesting as Labour and Greens. We've got Future West as Labour and Greens, but then we've also got Labour tickets and Faux and Henderson Massey and South Auckland. And so it is very much ensuring that local government is local and there's common policies, there's common elements, but it is about representing the community and that attempt, and I think for the right it is an attempt to get a city-wide ticket, um, does submerge the local. They've got a, if you listen to the gossip, to rumours, they've got a number of councillors who have said no, we're not going to stand on that city-wide ticket because it suppresses the views of our communities or yeah, cuts across them. This time the left is also contesting seats traditionally thought unwinnable, the Oraki and Howick wards, where three centre-right councillors were last time elected unopposed. Auckland Future isn't the only centre-right brand. It's had a rocky relationship with the long-established National Party-aligned Communities and Residents Group. Both are contesting the Albert Eden Roskill ward, with three candidates chasing two seats. Only one right-leaning Auckland councillor, Denise Crum, has joined Auckland Future. Others have declined to sign its 2% rate rise fiscal policy, choosing to retain some independence. But Auckland Future's arrival might have another impact. A striking feature of its waterfront launch was that three-quarters of those there were Pacific Islanders, remembering the group's prime goal was to sew up the middle-class North Shore. Talofa lava, warm Pacific greetings, kia ora, e mihinui atu ki a koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa From the Pacific brass band to the drummers, that big push being made across the poorer South Auckland suburbs dominated the event. Afiso Collins is running for Labour in the Otara Papatoitoi ward, where turnout last time was the city's lowest at 29%. He thinks the new rival might help lift that. Yeah, I think it will, actually, because it shows that there's a whole lot of people. Because if I'm knocking on those doors and the Auckland Future people are knocking on those doors, it means people are thinking, actually, there's something going on here. And it just raises that level of consciousness around what's going on. So I hope that it does turn into or translate into a higher vote turnout and I've got my own biases about where that voter turnout I'd like to see go but I just think if we can get that level of participation up, we're doing much better as a society not just around the politics but actually as a society we're doing better because we're seeing an increase in participation and that level of civic participation is something I think we all hope for. If all else fails, a stirring mayoral contest can capture the minds of the voting public. The traditional long list of mayoral hopefuls includes six running full policy campaigns. In alphabetical order, business executive Vic Crone, 30-year Labour MP Phil Goff, David Hay, a policy analyst and past Green Party candidate, restaurateur John Polino, who ran second to Len Brown last time around, Chloe Swarbrick, a 22-year-old social media consultant, and local board member Mark Thomas. I asked each, in that order, after two terms of the new council, what they thought this election was about for Auckland, starting with Vic Crone. This is a pivotal election for Auckland, and that's because 
we've had the Super City for almost six years now. Uh, it's unlocked some opportunities for Auckland, but it's clearly not working for Aucklanders. We have some significant issues we need to solve. Uh, the big ones are how council's spending our money, uh, transport and housing. But also, if you look to the next 20 to 30 years, we've got a lot of change coming our way. So this is not just about how does Auckland catch up with infrastructure. This is about how do we position Auckland to, to be a powerhouse on the world stage in the next 20 to 30 years. I think the issues at the forefront of the mind of voters at this election will probably be three. Uh, one will be housing because of unaffordability and the situation that just keeps getting worse. Transport will be the second one simply because with 800 new cars registered in Auckland every week, all of us are finding on the roads that it's taking us longer to get from where we are to where we want to go. And the third thing, I think, is the, the, the sense of disillusion almost with the super city. Uh, not that people want to turn the clock back, but they don't believe that it's delivered the efficiencies, uh, that it's dealt with the duplication and waste that they had hoped for. I think the unitary plan and the Auckland plan have given us a springboard. And then, you know, we can't sort of stand on the edge of that teetering. We have to actually take the dive, you know, move forward on that. And I think the next big thing for us really is transport because the unitary plan is built on this idea of, of transport-oriented development, but without really the transport system in place that we need to deliver it. You know, I think this one is going to be all about uh, a vision, uh, you know, about seeing which direction Auckland's going to go in. The vision for Auckland right now is, is about the isthmus. It's about intensifying the isthmus and, and, and the whole Auckland uh, being about a super city. My vision is more about uh, looking at Auckland instead of as a super city, but as a region meaning that we have to handle all the different areas quite differently. You know, farmland, uh, rural areas, suburbs, towns, business centers. We have to handle those quite differently than trying to amalgamate it as all one big city. This election is about acknowledging that Auckland is at a tipping point. And I think we've seen that uh, quite evidently in not necessarily the outrage, but the controversy surrounding the unitary plan. There is a lot of tension right now in Auckland with people who are quite happy with Auckland continuing on the path that it is and those who do want a different future for Auckland for all intents and purposes. So I think that this election in particular is about planning for the future effectively and acknowledging that change is going to happen regardless of what we do. For me, this is a pivotal election. It's actually an opportunity to transform the direction of Auckland Council. The last six years have been uh, delivering the Mayor's Auckland plan and his vision of uh, the world's most livable city. Uh, what I'm uh, arguing is for is, is a substantial reset to that vision. What Aucklanders tell me they want is an Auckland that works more, that gets more of our key projects done. And I'm encouraging Aucklanders to, to vote, to, to get engaged, uh, to test us, but to agree that actually what's been working for the last six years hasn't delivered enough progress for us. Many of their campaigns share themes. Variations on tackling Auckland's housing and transport challenges, a big focus on capping rates rises and dealing with perceived inefficiency in the council. In reverse order, I asked them for the one policy that they had which they thought would most appeal. First up, Mark Thomas. My policy approach is to deliver an Auckland that works, and at the heart of that is fixing transport. Len Brown cut the transport budget by $110 million. Over the first three years of my mayoralty, I'll reinstate that. I think it'll be uh, my proposition to reform rates. 
and reforming rates from what they currently are, which is capital value plus uh, additional taxes plus some other additional targeted taxes and levies. Instead, I'll be changing that to uh, a system of land value tax sole. It will incentivise people to build. So my policy is about putting people in the right locations, putting people into the CBD areas like Albany, Henderson, Manukau, uh, the existing CBD, and then possibly another satellite city where we can grow jobs at the same time, where we can get people to live, work, and play. That's what we need to do. Transport doesn't, they, they keep telling us, we can't, put we can't put the transport everywhere where people are going because people are working everywhere, people are living everywhere. We have to focus on those five hubs. Electric rapid rail everywhere in Auckland. So already in the Auckland plan, there's a thing called the Rapid Transit Network. It's sketched out to put uh, rail everywhere, to get people on, off, around and across the isthmus, which is the, you know, the core problem with our transport system. We need to see it at Panmuir, we need to see it at Mangere, we need to see it across the Harbour Bridge and up the northwestern corridor as well, and then linked up all around. I think probably the overwhelming thing is dealing with uh, gridlock and congestion because that affects almost everybody. If you're looking at those young people that are struggling to find a home of their own, uh, they'll want to know what the council can do to help them in that endeavour. It would actually be shaking up the culture of council. And how do we build a council that is more agile, that is more connected to Aucklanders, and that has a broader source of funding? And that will therefore help us tackle any issue, whether it's housing and transport, which are the big issues for, for now in the next few years, or actually, as I said, as we turn to face the next 20 to 30 years, we can actually face anything that comes our way. That's, that's the biggest structural issue to solve here. This should be a big election for Auckland. The city's planning blueprint, the unitary plan, is now largely complete, paving the way for higher density housing, better connected through public transport. But it is just a plan and will need a strong and determined council to deliver a new way of developing communities, creating neighbourhoods with features that fulfil the role of the traditional backyard. The city is 40,000 homes short and still losing ground. Housing's an issue where mayoral candidates have unveiled few big new ideas in a campaign yet to capture public imagination. The coming seven weeks will be crucial. How does Metro's Simon Wilson feel about Auckland's election prospects? I think I'm apprehensive. I'm also excited, but then I'm the sort of person who gets excited about politics and elections and all that anyway. There are really big opportunities here. There is an opportunity for a council to seize these issues by the scruff and go, OK, we've got enough of the infrastructure and the planning processes in place now that we can start really making decisions and, and making the city work better. The, the opportunity really is there. It's not going to be easy, but it is there. And, and that, I hope, makes it exciting. And I hope there will be a whole raft of candidates who seize on that, on, on that potential and, and make it exciting for us. I'm Todd Nile, and that's Insight for this week. If you'd like to get in touch or share your thoughts on this programme, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at insight at radionz.co.nz or our Twitter handle is at InsightRNZ. Todd Nile wrote and presented that programme. It was produced by me, Philippa Tolley. Do subscribe on iTunes if you'd like to keep up with Insight and programmes such as the recent investigation on what New Zealand can do about its dire suicide rates.